the famous slogan that my father incepted was called drop the gun, pick up the pen. And he mm. was so effective at disarming thousands of young people that eventually, unfortunately, he was killed for the impact and work that he was doing. So mm. then my mom, you know, fled with my sisters and I and we got asylum in Canada. And in essence, I think I was kind of born into a life or a family of social justice and activism. Mm. And the mantle was kind of passed down onto me. But I believe my fire my intention and my mm -hmm. commitment to this work comes from my mother who well, raised my sisters and I on her own as a single mother. And that strength that women inherently have mm -hmm. is what propels me to doing this work. That's beautiful. You mentioned that you uh, went to Canada as asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk to me a little bit about community and the role that it's played then in your life? Because here on The Social, uh, we're really big on community initiatives um, and, and I, I think personally we are too individualistic here in the Western world and we operate too in kind of silos alone. Um, how, how has community affected you and what does it mean to you today? Well, I mean, community today is such a broad term for me. It's not mm. only just my innate, you know, nuclear family. Mm. It's my community online. It's the people that have the same ethos and values as I. It's mm. the communities I get to work with directly in Somalia. And I 100% um, link my way of thinking my, my leadership and my priorities to the people that are most closest around me. So mm -hmm. my community definition is quite broad. And when I look at, you know, young people in the West today, or even in Africa as well too, everywhere around the world, I'm seeing that people are moving away from unilateralism. They're, they're driven by compassion. Yeah. They're aligning with people across the world based mm -hmm. on the same values. And mm -hmm. I think one of the advantages of this digital age that we're in today is that people can choose who they want to be aligned and I'm seeing a shift away from um, individualism. Mm, mm, mm. And it's really important I think that we come together with those that have shared values. Um, it can be detrimental um, in arenas where those values are maybe not for the betterment of humankind that also exists and that part of the internet also exists but for those that are you know looking for the advancement of of, of people uh, in, in in really important ways it's it's meant the world um, because we can come together uh, cross-culturally globally uh, instantly um because of social media and, and, and build communities um, in, in great ways so that's totally agree um what what would you say then is is uh the spirit of hope like for you and how important is that because you have been kind of part of such huge development projects, both in Somalia and further afield. How do you keep hope alive? And in your experience, has it been an instrument for kind of collective conscious change? Absolutely. <laughs> Big I question. Mean, I think it's, it's a huge question. And mm. I think the, the concept of constantly being re-inspired and motivated and hopeful is integral to taking on any kind of challenge, especially mm. if you're trying to dismantle structures of patriarchy and misogyny mm. and oppression and often doing it in the, in the face of grave insecurity. I think my hope was tested the most last year when my sister was killed for the work that we're doing in Somalia. And it did make me think about are the ideas and activities and initiatives that we're pushing forward in a conflict zone too soon? Mm. Is it better to take a step back? As in, are they not ready? Is, is that what you mean by too soon? Yeah, are they mm. not ready? I mean, it's at what point do you kind of tap out when you've already lost two members of your family in the pursuit of something? So I think that's when my hope was tested the most, but almost instantaneously, my family and I were engulfed in so much love from people that I've never even met around the world mm. that were inspired to take action because of the work that we've accepted. 
I saw an overwhelming majority of people that we supported now taking on leadership mm. and hope comes in the most unexpected mm. ways every day. And I think if it wasn't for that constant resurgence of the inspiration, it's hard to do this kind of work. And um, I try to find things to keep me inspired and hopeful every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so powerful that you can go through such heartbreak and such personal loss that will affect you you know, for the rest of your life and still be able to stand up and get back on the horse as it will. And, and even though, you know, potentially you, your family was a target as a target still can continue this really instrumental life-changing work for so many, uh, so many people, uh, love and protect and cherish and uplift you because of that. And because you are, you know, using your voice for the voiceless, which in my mind is the most, uh, you know, honorable thing to do. Um, so as painful as the loss has probably been, just kudos to you for, for keeping the spirit of hope alive and showing people there's another way. Well, thank you. And I, I, I try to look at it as what is the alternative? Mm. What is the alternative to adding value to other people's lives? And in the work that we do, in the way that I communicate, whether it's on social media, whether it's silly or fun and upbeat, I try to show that, you know, a life of service doesn't always have to be sacrificial, yeah. that it can be yeah. experimental. It could be fun. It could be challenging. And that yeah. there's opportunities for trying to better other people's lives in some way. And um, I think that's also really important to show easy entry points for other people because my journey is not going to be linear or applicable to someone else's, but they may be interested in music. They may be interested in fashion and mm -hmm. find that as an entry point to actually be involved with something much bigger than themselves. Mm, you just got to want to try. You got to have that will Absolutely. to try. And, and yeah. that's, that's beautiful. Now, we, we, we know, and we've just touched upon it, political outcomes can have you know, real life, life and death consequences, especially for the people living in more fragile states. Um, as someone who is a key figure in this fight, um, who's been recognized by the Nobel Peace Committee, who is well known across the kind of a globe for this development work, personally, does the weight of the task get too much for you? Uh, your individual kind of pressure that is on you, the eyes that are on you, does it ever get too much? And how do you alleviate that? For And this is just for other activists who are maybe listening in and can take some advice. Um, well, I think, I mean, what is constantly at top of mind for me is that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're leading in spaces that are supposed to represent 1.8 billion young people around the world, if mm. I'm speaking on topics that affect 700 million young people under the age of 30 in Africa, of course, it comes with a huge slate of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that you're not just there as a token or mm -hmm. just, you know, the, the designated young person, but to provoke and to, to mm -hmm. create real change systemically and create opportunities for those that don't have the same kind of access and privilege as me. Mm -hmm. In that sense, I put an immense amount of pressure on myself to make sure that I take advantage of every opportunity. But I, I think I also look at this as a, an incredible gift and an opportunity because having people like me at the Security Council, having people like me right now, advising the UN Secretary General, being on boards of huge multilateral institutions, mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. it's creating entry points for other people that look like me mm -hmm. and come from the Global South like me, so mm -hmm. that it's not just um, the exception, but that we are- It the becomes norm. the rule, and you start building Absolutely. maybe people who do look like you, and have had your experiences part of that table and part of that very, very necessary conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. And I would like to think then, uh, since the rise of social media, we have 
been having really productive conversations on on the global scale and we've touched on that a little little bit um some realities just can't be hidden anymore you know everyone's got a camera phone everyone's got media things can be shared instantly um what would you say people for people that are listening in um what can they do um in their own little kind of communities and silos and things what can they do uh, if they want to do more um, and, and, and they, they need to do more, but they don't know how to even start. Like, what's that entry point um, at the smallest level and what can it look like? Well, I think one thing that's become very, I think, aware for everyone globally that has even the slightest bit of consciousness in them is that we don't need, I think, governments or mm. uh, multilateral organizations to organize and to create real change, whether it's the Black Lives Matters movement that we saw at starting in the US, but the universality of oppression and the first interface that young people of color have with police, you know, cascading across the globe and people taking to the streets, whether it's, you know, what's happening in Nigeria right now with the NSARS movement, the uprising in Sudan, people are recognizing, young people particularly, that if they want to create change, that they need to align with like-minded individuals mm. and be that change. And mm. I think that the global trust deficit that we have in one way has put the power back into the people yes. to see that if you want to actually change something, you can't wait mm. or agonize or mm. just hope that someone will see you and mm. then create the solution. So um, I'm quite inspired by the recent events that we've all seen developing in front of our eyes through social media. And my advice for someone who's still looking to get involved with something is that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. I think more often than not, people who are leading organizations like myself or activists that are on the ground, mm -hmm. they want to partner. And we have the, the digital tools right now to actually create those partnerships. And instead of trying to compete or develop something on the margins, mm -hmm. I think joining a movement is mm -hmm. the way to go. Mm -hmm. And you spoke a little bit about antitrust in, in I'm assuming, governmental institutions that is rife right now. Um, what can governments do, uh, given the very dire state of the world and given the very dire state of, you know, we're taking America, for example, how they've handled the recent coronavirus crisis and how they're generally handling uh, social uh, trust, essentially. Um, what can they do to, to do better? Where does it start for you? Is it monetary? Is it um, kind of what, what support levels do you think are most crucial um, and, in, and in most urgent? Uh, and I think this start? is something that I think it's something that cascades beyond the, the US, whether it's in the UK right now with the confusing yes. COVID restrictions that you guys have started, right yeah. now. Yeah, that's true. It's everywhere in the world. And honestly, yeah. I think it's just about, even if there are government grants and opportunities for uplifting communities, what we first need is institutional change, not just mm. resources that have a quick fix or yes. you know a momentary impact. I think that it really is up to the people to inform themselves on local processes, on local legislation, and figuring out who they're voting for. If now more than ever, we see that if you want to create change and be represented meaningfully, you need to make sure that you're voting. And this Get is, uh, I think, absolutely. Mm -mm -mm. Get out and vote. You heard her here first. <laughs> we are talking to Ilbad Alman. You are listening to the Beat London on a 3.6 FM. We are going to be right, up, right back with her after this very, very short break, um, continuing some very important uh, kind of necessary conversation uh, make sure you stick around what is up guys welcome back to the beat london with 3.6 fm you are listening to me bashak on the social and we are continuing getting social with the lovely ilwad alman hi ilwad how are you doing very very well 
Still with us? Still here? Still here vibing. Great vibing. Song on. Yes. I love that I got you to say that because uh, <laughs> I use that word way too much. Um, great. So let's get into our second half. Um, so uh, I, I often find that women uh, in, in more kind of workplace situations often kind of shrink themselves and make themselves more appeasing and quieter and smaller in more kind of male heavy corporate spaces. I was just curious, what advice would you give to women uh, to help them find their voice, uh, maybe speak up more during meetings, especially if they're more introverted in nature? Um, because if you don't ask, you don't get in this world and often uh, the extroverts are rewarded uh, as someone who stands in your power and your truth so well and so beautifully. Um, just, just curious, if there's anything you could tell us on how you do it? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting research on that, right? I mean, the dichotomy of leadership and women having to either make their voices deeper to, to take to be considered more serious or to have mm -hmm. a role of authority. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's just about, as with anything, practice, you know, practice mm -hmm. making yourself comfortable. If you really believe in what you're fighting for, or what you're speaking about, then the risk and the, the challenge of, you know, being in front of people, if you're an introvert, kind of goes away but mm. it's, it's with anything I think you need to just align yourself with people that you trust people that mm. you know can mentor you and for you know penetrating spaces that are traditionally male whether it's in a corporate world whether it's in a humanitarian space in my field I see it a lot in peace and security mostly old white men yeah. that dominate these spaces and you know with the, absolutely <laughs> and I think I check almost every minority box so it is it is challenging at first but um as with anything comes with practice and knowing mm. that you know you're not any less than the people that are there often what i remind myself when i'm doing a big public speaking event or if i'm really nervous about an engagement i'm about to do is that i'm there for a reason mm. i have something to say and mm. people that are there are here to listen mm. and um i think that helps me but all in all i think it's really about aligning with people that can mentor you that's, that's helped me a lot and those that can see you help you see yourself yeah, and I think we have so many positive examples right now, too, of women that are breaking the glass ceiling across every industry. Amen. And I think um, following in that footsteps is important. I like what you said there around the risk being greater, essentially, than the reward, maybe the risk of discomfort, the risk of um, kind of letting your voice be heard or having your voice shake or anything mm -hmm. like that be, be greater than the reward of actually standing in your truth and and uh, sharing your experience because everyone's experience is individual and unique to them very, i think very so cool. I, I wouldn't consider myself an extrovert i'm mm -hmm. not necessarily an introvert either but when it comes to you know speaking on very public big platforms mm -hmm. somehow i'm able to challenge it and yeah. i think it is because of just that about the, the risk of not speaking out when the opportunity presents itself is greater than the fear. And you're following your passion, which is, which is what it is, right? You're, you're leaning into the passion and uh, something that you, uh, in my opinion, probably were born to do. Uh, it makes it easier because uh, you are very well equipped, more than most at this current moment in time to do this work. And therefore you almost lean into that and let the rest take care of itself. Well, I think anyone could actually apply to their lives. When you look at trying to speak publicly or, you know, mm. in front of a lot of people about something you don't know much about and something that, you know, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's just different, right? So I think really standing for what you believe in and being convinced of it also takes away some of those other maybe stage fright issues as well. And I love it. Amen. Yeah. Do what you believe in and lean into that. Amazing. 
Now, I saw the Daily Paper collab and I just thought it looked so incredible. And I particularly loved the relationship you married with kind of fashion and social activism. It's not a new one, um, but you did it in a really, really creative way uh, using art therapy um, with children and then using their kind of prints on the t-shirts for those that don't know. Um, I like to think that fashion is becoming even more, you know, purpose-driven and statement-led uh, um, given that we're becoming more vocal as a society, which is great. And so I really felt like it was the perfect uh, partnership. How was the process like for you? Um, kind of veering away from maybe your traditional routes and doing something a little bit more uh, cross-cultural cross almost. <laughs> and then would you yeah. want to do more of this kind of collabs in the future? Absolutely. I mean, that relationship just really kind of just developed organically. And mm -hmm. it was from the brand reaching out, you know, seeing us and seeing the work that we're doing and wanting to find a way to support us. So, of course, we laid out all the different kind of work that we do. And art therapy is, um, is a cornerstone of our interventions. So mm -hmm. we work with some children that are formerly associated with armed groups and um, ex-child soldiers. And we help them through the rehabilitation and reintegration back into society. And one of the tools that we use for psychosocial counseling and therapy and treating the somatic symptoms of trauma is art. It's been mm -hmm. an entry point for us to actually start a conversation of the trauma that they've been through. And towards the end of a two-year program with us, we collect all of these photos and, you know, big drawings that the youth have made. And then they curate an art show to kind of show the physical manifestation of the, the transformation that they're going through to the community the to help. Mm. Absolutely. And to help them go back into the community. So we shared these prints, these really thought-provoking and, you know, kind of challenging images to look at that the children first draw of conflict of guns of bombs and then slowly transitioning to books to schools to stunts to something that As a child heel. absolutely that things that you'd expect a child to draw not from where they started and um daily paper as a brand that's very positive decided not to focus on the photos from the beginning but rather the photos at the end of their journey to also not further perpetuate the stigma and um, the label against children that are growing up in conflict, that they only draw weapons and, you know, yeah. terrible things. So those positive drawings then were put onto t-shirts. They sold out right away and all the proceeds went into funding our art therapy program. And I think that collaboration was, was really unique because people all over the world were one wearing drawings, original art pieces by the youth and the youth just loved seeing people wearing their sure. creations. But it also created a new entry point for conversations around these old issues like children on conflict. And people are voting with, you know, their wallets. They want to mm. wear mm. things that have a story, have meaning mm. and contribute to bettering the lives of others. And mm. um, I think for us, it was also an entry point to start to engage with people who care and want to be part of the solution, mm. but just don't know how to use their specific fields um, or, or passion or in mm. being a part or brand in mm. being a part of that. So now we're opening it up to people that want to figure out how they can use their music or their, their film or their or fashion or whatever their brand is and showing them that whatever you're focused on, you can use that for good. Beautiful. And I think that's been really hard for people to understand. It shouldn't be that difficult for people to get involved with good. Mm -mm. And kudos to a brand like Daily Paper. Um, for for focusing on the good, right? Looking at the the, the transformation and leaning into that, and and, and representing these 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 young uh, children in a way that um, shows them that it's not where you've been, it's where you're going, and almost mm -hmm. pushing that narrative across, which is the trauma is is there, um, but healing is also there, and healing is also available to all of us, and no matter what Absolutely. we go through in life. So, 
amazing and I really do hope um, to see other brands as well as individuals get involved um, with art in this way as well I think it's so so impactful and it looks great <laughs> as well which always helps yeah we've, we've got a few more things coming up with daily paper actually and I think it's, uh, it's going to really be key and cool to see how people can look at other ways they can get involved with their work. Amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Segue slightly then into young people. For those that might be listening in, um, how can they go about and find their purpose in this world? Because uh, there's just so much information coming at us. And I think it's often very, very difficult to hear your own voice and hear your own spirit and hear your own need and know your skill set and marrying those two things, which is, this is what I'm good at, this is what I enjoy, and this is what the world needs in my mind. Mm -hmm. How can people go about finding that purpose um, and, and, and giving back in important mm. ways in your mind? It's uh, a really good question. And I think, I mean, in the climate that we're in right now, you know, amidst a cacophony of voices, of issues, I mean, information coming at us from all different angles very fast, I think it's becoming easier for people to know what they are against, mm. but not necessarily what they are for. Mm. And I think in the journey of finding your purpose and the things that you want to put your energy and your time into, it's really important to figure out what you are for and not only what you're against. And yeah. when you can start to identify that you are for tolerance, you're for education or for, you know, equality, whatever it might be, when you know what you are for, then you can find individuals and causes that are working towards that. Um, sure. I think starting from the more negative place of, you know, what you are against kind of puts you in a cycle of, you know, being on the margins of yes. action. Yes. And also helpless. Advocating. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's when you focus more on solution oriented um, organizing, mm -hmm. you're, you're more likely to Get to a solution. On the same journey as you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the problems are so large. Uh, they, they are, and they're so devastating. You know, there's so many issues that we're facing that are crisis level right now in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it can feel daunting, and certainly for me, it feels daunting um, to 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 know where to even start. But again, like we've mentioned earlier, if you have the will and the want, find your people, find your communities, mm -hmm. and, and and build build with them. Beautiful. I find where I sit in the different work I do with different agencies, it's, it's a little bit of a limbo as well. We're, we're finding now all this global attention and right rhetoric from governments and from agencies like the UN and multilateral organizations saying that they want young people to be a part of the solutions. And then you have young people that desperately want to be part of the solutions. But for some reason, it's, it's not, not it's not, it's not marrying. It's either too hard. The requirements are too long. You need all this experience. You need, an in or a connection. And even in my own platforms, I, I try to kind of be that conduit and sharing any kind of resources and information and opportunities that um, I come across. So mm -hmm. I think that's also another important thing for people that want to be involved with actions to actively reach out to people that they know have proximity because more often than not, people are willing to support yeah. someone who has good intention. Mm, absolutely. I'm really glad that you mentioned that actually trying to marry those two things together that sometimes, you know, the, the, the will and the want of the young person doesn't actually land them into the entry point. Uh, and these organizations don't actually penetrate across effectively enough um, to, to onboard and yeah. to um, kind of develop and train these young people. One of the biggest contradictions that I find is, is, is organizations like the UN um, who are, 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 you know, they exist for global development essentially and, and their internship program is unpaid. At the point that your internship program is unpaid, you're just reinforcing classist views and there's gonna be a very certain 
um, kind of minority that can uh, enter that program at all, right, from a qualification point of view, but then also can afford to live in New York, for example, and go there and, and start learning uh, the, 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 what, what you need to learn to be involved in this work, if that's what you want to do. So it's, it's a contradiction in terms for me. Um, we should be paying people uh, abundantly and um, we should be supporting them financially as well as emotionally and um, academically. Absolutely. I mean, I think that especially for the point you raised right now about unpaid internships, one mm -hmm. initiative that I'm, I'm quite proud of being involved with is on the board of UNICEF's new initiative called Generation Unlimited. And what mm -hmm. this actually provides for young people all around the world is to propose solutions through social entrepreneurship and get seed funding to actually implement those. And this, I think, initiative has only became possible because so many young people around the world were stating the fact that you just did, mm -hmm. that you can't, one, offer only unpaid internships and free labor. Yeah. And two, even that's not accessible to the overwhelming majority because you need to have references and connections and experience. And I think that there is a shift happening. Mm -hmm. The I think the UN is still a very challenged system, but for now it is the real only vehicle for yes. multilateralism partnerships. Yes. And I think it's growing now under the new secretary general on being more inclusive and open to young mm -hmm. people. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, it is still a very old and archaic system, but there are now more than ever real entry points for young people, particularly minorities, I think. And I think it is a big responsibility for people like myself and others that have proximity. So I, I try in my own personal capacity as much as possible Beautiful. to use the tools of today to actually create opportunities. For tomorrow. I love that. Yes. And, and, and also in doing all of that, just to wrap this thought up, you encourage diversity because again, uh, more likely than not, the person that can afford that is going to be the white American student who might still have good intentions. I'm not bashing it, but you don't get diversity into the fold and you don't get representation into the fold and this, the cycle continues in, in damaging yeah. ways. So it starts on the ground and, and, and you know, kudos to you and, and your team for really taking this on board because it's something that I've really noted over the years and I can't quite wrap my head around the, the, the yeah. kind of hypocrisy of it all um but there there we go all right exactly um i want to find out a little bit more about you if, if possible uh and get a little lighter uh what are you listening to these days uh, if you had spotify who was on your spotify wrapped for this year i promise i won't judge i might judge, I won't judge. <laughs> <laughs> well and you i think it's really funny to my duality if you engage with any of my social media platforms one day i will be in a very you know strict government forum and the next sure. one lasting Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait, <laughs> love it, represent. <laughs> that was dope. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a really big hip hop head and I'll, I listen to a lot of UK rap actually. Yeah, who's your favorite? Yeah, good ask. <sighs> I mean, I love Diggy D, I love M. Hancho. Um, I like Hedy One. I even like some newer artists like We Want Rates and um, oh my Ring, goodness, you gotta get over NSG, here. Stormzy, I'm telling you, oh, like I'm really inspired okay. by British rap right, a lot. Right, right. <laughs> right. We might need to do an Ilwa Dalman uh, beat playlist for get, get it out on the socials. Amazing. Today is Sunday. I know it is very early that side, so thank you very much. Um, Ilwa is in Toronto. Could you let me know what your Sunday self-care looks like and take us through kind of your perfect Sunday, no work, just just uh, self-care. What, what, what is that for you? And tell um, drop the skincare routine as well, because uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> my girl is glowing right now on my screen. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
I think like also, I mean, not to get like really weighted again and heavy, but when you are doing work that inspires you, really there is no days off and it's not work. It's a, it's a lifestyle. So being now in Canada, I'm managing crazy different time zones and, mm. you know, working at all hours. So Sunday is also a work day, but for me, um, self-care is just about finding things that, you know, replenish the cup. You can't give, you can't inspire, you can't help if you are also at absolute zero. So the things that inspire me is, you know, being around people that push me and motivate me and check me as well too on the course I'm on. So that's good friends that I uh, keep very near and dear to me. I, I, I love yoga. Um, I think yoga is the only thing that really kind of balances all the crazy that I have in my head. Um, I'm really, I struggle a lot with um, meditating, but yoga really for me is meditating. And um, yeah, I think I, I usually work from home on Sundays, anywhere I am around the world. So it's a lot of food too. Oh, love to eat. F- food is, <laughs> I don't even mention food because it's a given. I'm, I'm Turkish, yeah. so all we do is eat. It's great. We cook and ah, we eat and we feed. There yeah. we go. Amazing, amazing. Ewa, thank you so, so much for, for being with us on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Uh, honestly, so great to just, you know, explore uh, all, all that's been going on in the world with you and also just some fun bits. What, what do you have coming up? And uh, could you drop out your socials for us as well so people can follow you and find you? Absolutely. So next year, inshallah, it's going to be some really exciting new things for the work I'm involved with where we're actually ex- expanding outside of Somalia and doing work in the Lake Chad, so in Nigeria, in, uh, in Chad and in Cameroon. We're starting new projects. So I'm really excited about that as well too. Uh, and yeah, you can follow our journey at www.elmanpeace.org. And uh, my personal socials on Instagram and Twitter are at Ilwad Elman. And there you will see, I think, my duality. One, one foot in the global and mm-hmm. one foot in the local. I love that. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Continue stirring up some of that good trouble. We are rooting you on and it does not go unnoticed. All right, Thank guys. You are listening to The Beat London on a 3.6 FM. That is time. And that is incredible because usually I don't even talk for this long, but I just had to take it everywhere. And, and, and thank you so much for Ilwad for going there with me. Uh, please do follow up on all the organizations that she has mentioned and get involved if you would like to support. I will be putting all the details on my Instagram at Bash London, so uh, check that out. Uh, we are all about important conversations here on the social, so please do follow us on the gram and Twitter um, so that you do not miss anything. Uh, next week, we'll be speaking to Brent Council, uh, which is an initiative I'm really really, really excited about. Uh, Brand Council do some incredible work matching uh, foster parents with uh, prospective children. And it's a a sponsorship that we're going to be continuing here on the beat just to make sure that, especially during this Christmas time, that foster children have a a warm place to go, you know, and and, and loving parents and a loving home. Uh, It's really, really important that we kind of support all of those things and that will be it we're going to be wrapping up the show next week and going on christmas break for two weeks i don't know how i'm gonna live without you guys Uh, you know i love the social i love everything we talk about and everything we delve into but as ever please do get at me uh, on the socials if there's anyone you want to hear about any songs you want us to play we are here for you